Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. ...series last week called On Earth As It Is In Heaven. Would you say it with me? On Earth As It Is In Heaven. And it's a series leading up to Easter, as Zoe just shared right then, uh, which is going to be on Friday and Sunday. Please come. It's going to be amazing. We're going to come before God and remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And then we're going to celebrate the risen Savior. Three days later, He rose again. And we are risen as well with Him. And so uh, that's going to be amazing. The big idea of our series is this. The events of Easter are are not only good news for when we die, but the good news for while we're alive here on earth. Like, is that good? Like, I'm so glad that it's not just about something in the near future or, or, or the distant future, depend, you know, depending on how old we are. But, you know, it's not something there, but it's something that God wants to do here on earth. His kingdom, He's come here on earth. See, the mission of Jesus is not only about saving humanity from sin, but it was also about establishing His kingdom here on this earth. Right here and right now. Last week, we really leaned into the idea that the kingdom of God is near. Say it with me. The kingdom of God is near. It's come. It's right here. It's, it's, it's tangible. We can grab it. We can hold it. It's God has come. He's brought it to earth. And His kingdom is not about some geographical region or some territory or some uh, uh, um, land or country or anything like that. Instead, His kingdom is to be established in a place that no earthly king could ever go, that no government could ever control, the untamable place, the human heart. He wants to establish church today, His kingdom in your heart. See, yes, He wants your time. Uh, Yes, He wants your gifts. Uh, Yes, He wants your, your, your generosity and your finances. But can I tell you something? If you give Him all of that, but you don't give Him your heart... You're missing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And see, and see, God's kingdom is not just for when we enter heaven, it's for this life right now. And when we allow God to establish his kingdom in our hearts, then we really can say, God, your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Come, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. We've sung some songs about, your, about the grave, about the tomb, about the cross. We've sung songs about the risen Savior coming again. Jesus, I just pray as we just delve into your word right now, I pray that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, every man, every woman, every person here this morning. Jesus, we've come to hear from you in your mighty name. Amen. Uh, We started in scripture last week in Mark uh, chapter 1, and we were looking at uh, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry here on earth. And today we're going to jump ahead to uh, Mark 11. We're going to jump forward three years And we're now going to be jumping into uh, uh, the last week of Jesus' life, Jesus' ministry here on earth. It's the week leading into Easter uh, for Jesus, and it's the week leading into Easter for us. And in fact, today is called Palm Sunday. Is anyone familiar with that, the term Palm Sunday? Well, today we're going to find out why is today called Palm Sunday as we delve into Scripture as Christ enters Jerusalem, Mark 11 Verse 1, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, uh, to Bethlehem and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter, you'll find a colt, a young donkey tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. 
If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. Uh, I'm going to go out to the car park later. I'm going to find a nice car and say, the Lord has need of this. I think he's telling me to give it to me. Uh, telling you, no, I'm not going to do that. And then they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said, what are you doing untying this colt? And they told them what Jesus said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna. They were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. I'm not sure how long you've been in church, but there's a song we used to sing, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. A great song uh, from Scripture talks about that. And, and so verse 8, uh, if you're wondering where Palm Sunday comes from, that's where it comes from in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. It talks about how they cut down palm leaves and they laid them for Jesus. And so today we remember this as Palm Sunday. Do you ever read the Bible and think to yourself, why do the authors emphasize that? Or why has this passage been put into Scripture? Why did they decide that this was important for us to know, important for us to remember, important for us to read? Like, why do they spend, I don't know if you counted the verses, but they spend seven verses talking about Jesus getting a colt, getting a donkey. It's like, like, how important really is it to me and know about Jesus getting a donkey, right? Like, it's, I don't, I'm not sure how important that is. Like, it's, it's like this. Imagine you are writing a book, okay? You're writing a book and you've promised your publisher, I'm going to have 10,000 words in my book. And you hand it into them. So let's just say Mark, he hands his, his, his gospel into the publisher and, and it's 10,000 words and they do the word count. And they're like, Mark, there's only 9,950 words here. It's great, we love it, but you promised us 10,000 words. We can't, we've paid you in advance, we can't give you all the money if you don't give us 10,000 words. And so Mark's like, okay, what am I going to do? I know what, I'll just tell the story about the donkey. A little bit of filler, right? Like you ever watch a movie and you're like, I don't think this part of the movie was really necessary. It felt like filler. Like, or maybe you sometimes you're listening to my sermon and you think, is this filler right now? Is this, is this proper content, right? And so, no, of course, it's not like that. Maybe not. my messages might be like that, but the Bible is not like that. I want to tell you something today. Everything in the Bible is there for a reason. Everything in the Bible is the inspired Word of God written down by men for a purpose, a reason, for that particular context at that time and for our context right now, for a reason or for a purpose. It's the inspired Word of God. So if, that's, that, if that is so, what is God trying to say us through the events of Mark chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. What is Jesus trying to, uh, what is the Holy Spirit trying to lead us through for us to understand about these events as Jesus enters Jerusalem, about to enter into this final week of his time before he goes to the cross? And here's what God is saying, uh, if I could summarize it. He's saying this Jesus is king and Messiah, and his kingdom is coming. That's what he's saying. Jesus is king and Messiah and his kingdom is coming. Let's unpack it and I'm going to share a couple of thoughts this morning from this passage. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, Jesus arrived as king. 
Jesus arrived as king. See, Jesus and his disciples, the, the main method that they traveled, the main method that most people traveled in the days of Jesus was that they would walk places. And so they would walk, a, uh, walk to somewhere and if they had to uh, carry things with them, then animals would be used to transport heavy loads. But mostly people walked by themselves. They traveled uh, on foot, uh, unless you read the scriptures where sometimes Jesus traveled by boat on the Sea of Galilee, or sometimes he walked on the water. It's just like whatever Jesus felt like doing. But traveling by foot was the most often way they did it, except for this time. Except this time we see Jesus traveling on an animal. This time we see Jesus uh, traveling on a, a donkey, a, an animal. And to me, this makes sense. Like Jesus is coming as the king. He's entering this city. He's coming into uh, the capital of Israel as, as the king. And, and, and to me, I'd be like, yes, this makes sense. Uh, disciples go out, find me a horse. Like, find me a horse. Uh, 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 I don't know, like, what are some horse breeds? Like an Arabian stallion. Uh, find me a, a, an amazing uh, saddle. I want, like, purple uh, um um, cl- um, cloths hanging over the edge of it. I want like like armor on the front of its face. This horse, like I want to ride in and ride in with royal as a royalty. But the scriptures say instead he rides in on a donkey. He rides in in a colt. It's a young donkey. And I don't know about you, but a donkey doesn't seem very kingly. Like I don't know about you, but to ride in on a colt doesn't seem very very kingly, right? Could you imagine uh, sometime next month we're going to have an election here in Australia and one of, the, one of these people from uh, these political parties will be elected to be the Prime Minister and, and, and I'm not sure if on his victory speech he's going to come riding out on a donkey. He probably, he probably won't come riding out on any animal, but if he was, I'm sure it would be, you know, a horse or an elephant, something powerful because, you know, when I look at paintings of Renaissance or antiquity, all those types of things where people have painted these scenes. Man, I always see the king, the general, riding a horse and it might be back on its hind legs and he might have a sword and, you know, that he's conquering the armies. That's the pictures that I always see, not a donkey. So why does Jesus ride in to Jerusalem on a donkey this morning? He rides in to fulfill prophecy. And this is what I love about Scripture. This is what I love about the Bible. You know, you can watch, uh, if we've got any Marvel fans here, you can watch the MCU movies and you can watch them all together and you see how's the continuity, is, is everything cross-referenced, you know, well, and there's mistakes there. If you read the Bible, there is over 60,000 cross-references in Bible where they all reference each other, where it's all linked. And Jesus fulfills prophecy, Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, this is a prophecy he's giving to Israel. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a magnificent steed of a horse. Is that what it says? No, it says he's riding lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, 530 years 
Before Jesus comes, before this event happens that we just read in Mark 11, the prophet Zechariah prophesies that there's coming a day, Jerusalem, there's coming a day, daughter of Israel, where your king is going to come, he's going to enter Jerusalem, but it's not going to be what you might expect. See, earthly kings, they arrive on a horse with pride in their hearts, you know, portraying an image of strength and might and power. And yet our heavenly, our, our, our godly king, our spiritual king, our kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus, he arrives on a donkey with humility in his heart and he holds justice and salvation in his hands. That's what he comes, that's what he brings. I said it last week and I'll say it again. The kingdom of God is different. It's not like any other kingdom we've ever experienced. Jesus comes on a donkey. Jesus arrived as king. Number two, what we see in this passage of Mark 11, Jesus is honored as king. He's honored as king. We see that as Jesus rode in on the donkey, we see that firstly that there were cloaks or coats placed on top of the donkey for Jesus to ride on. And then we see that there were um, people were laying down their, their coats and, and putting palm leaves down uh, in the path before him as he rode along. They were putting it down in front of him. And it all seems very strange. It all seems, you know, unusual. I, I don't know if you've seen that event recently in your life. Like, we, we don't see this. We don't sort of understand it. And coats on the ground, palm leaves, leafy branches on the road. It's a bit unusual. But uh, you know, in the, in the old times, in, in biblical times, to lay down your garment before someone was an act of honor and it was an act of submission. It was where you would say, hey, I, I am honoring you. I placed down my coat before you. The coat was a very important garment for people. It was one of the main methods that they used to keep warm when they slept at night. I'm laying this down before you. Uh, and in doing that, I'm putting myself in a position of submission. And so the people are doing this. They're, they're laying it down before Jesus. They're submitting it to him. It's a behavior that we see earlier in the Bible, again, in 2 Kings 9, 13. And it says this, Then each man hastened to take his garment and put it under him on the top of the steps, put it underneath this person. And they blew trumpets saying, Jehad... How do you pronounce this? Jeho is king. He puts it down and they say, He is king. The trumpets sound, and so the coats on the donkey, on the ground, on the palm leaves, they're, they're the way that the people say, Jesus is king. He is coming. Jesus is king. His kingdom has come. And I wonder today, you know, you may not have a coat that you need to put down before a donkey, but I wonder today, what is it that you are carrying? What is it that you use to, to clothe yourself that you need to take off to put down before Jesus in submission to him today and say, Jesus, I submit to you. You are my king. Your kingdom has come in my life. It might be we need to put up some areas of sin, anger, lust, addiction, things like that, hate, greed. It might be something that's actually good, but we're placing it above God. It's becoming idolatry, dreams, desires, plans, our time, career, something else that's become an idol, family, marriage. Maybe we need to lay that down. God, I submit this to you, Jesus, this morning. And today, hopefully the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you, ministering to you right now, and we lay our coats before Jesus. In this moment, tomorrow, on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, we say, Jesus, I submit, I lay, I put this thing before you, Lord, because you are king.
You are Lord. Your kingdom is on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus arrived as king. He was honored as king. And then thirdly, Jesus was worshipped as Messiah. He was worshipped as Messiah. The people, the crowds, they're crying out. Uh, They're shouting out praises. They're making declarations. Uh, They're proclaiming who he is. And they're saying, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And the word Hosanna, we so often uh, associate with praise and with victory. But the way that Hosanna is used in Scripture, it's actually a word for save us. It's actually a word that says save us. Hosanna in Scripture is actually a word used as a cry of deliverance. It's a cry of help. It's a cry that says save us. Save us. And so Jesus he rides into Jerusalem and, and on, a, on a donkey and he fulfills a prophecy about how the king would come. He would come on, on this donkey and there's, there's coats and there's palm leaves that are laid before him. People are submitting their lives to him and to his kingship. And now the crowds are doing what humanity has always done when a new king comes to power. They're crying out to that king, save us, deliver us, make things better. Make, come and get, establish your kingdom. Do what you need to do. We need saving. We need you to do something miraculous to come and to save our lives. And maybe today in your own life, you're in a situation where you need to cry out, Hosanna. God, you, you're in a situation where you need something's going on in your life and you need God to save you. You need Jesus to deliver you and to come through in your situation and to, to change it. Maybe that's the prayer you've been praying. Maybe you're here today and it's the first time you've come to church or maybe you've been coming to church for a while but, but you're not sure how you feel about Jesus and God and all these types of things. You're not sure you even believe in Him. But as you've been spending time here in this place today or over the weeks, over the months or over the years, I don't know, there's something speaking to you and you're like, Hosanna. Hosanna, I know that there's, I don't know, I don't know what I need, but I know I need something. Save me from this existence, this life, these things I'm going through. And today at the end of my message, no matter where you are, if you're someone who doesn't believe in Jesus or know Jesus, or you're someone who's followed Jesus your whole life, I want to give you an opportunity to to have prayer for you and to also to receive Jesus into your life. And so the crowds, they're saying, Hosanna, save us. And again, again, they're recounting scripture. Again, they're recounting the Old Testament to to, to Jesus in Psalms 118.25. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Like, Like they're recounting Psalms. As the king comes, they're recounting the psalm to Jesus. It's almost exactly what was in Mark 11, 9 to 10. It says, Hosanna, which is save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Blessed Hosanna in the highest. And to them, Jesus is coming and he is going to come and he is going to fulfill scripture. He is coming as a Messiah, Messiah, a Savior. He is coming as a person who is going to overthrow 
the Roman Empire. He's going to come and establish his new kingdom on earth. And the disciples are sitting there thinking, we're looking good. You know, we're going to be governors. We're going to be, you know, high, court, high officials. They're thinking everything's great. He's going to start a movement, a revolution, an uprising, a rebellion. He's going to take back. The nation of Israel, this kingdom of God, he's going to take it back and it's going to be amazing and restore Israel to its former glory. Jesus arrived as king. He was honored as king. Jesus was worshipped as Messiah. If the, kings, if the kings could come, you know, as much as Jesus arrived as king, as much as he was, he was honored as king, as much as he was uh, worshipped as Messiah, and all those things that the people did in this passage of Scripture, the context of the honor and the worship was misguided and was misplaced. And we obviously live in a, we live in a time now where we understand how Jesus came and why Jesus came. We, we've received the revelation, that which was once a mystery that Paul writes about in the Scriptures. We know the answers to that mystery. It's, it's not an Agatha Christie movie anymore, right? Like we know... Spectre Pyro, right? We know how it ends. Jesus was the mystery. The church is the mystery. It's going to be the way that God's going to reach the world through Jesus Christ and the church. See, He was King and He is King. See, He was Messiah and He is Messiah, but just not how they thought. Not at all how they thought. They thought He was going to bring an earthly kingdom and bring back strength and power, restore Israel to the magnificent might that it once was and you know today I really believe there's a lot of Christians who live their lives in a similar way you know we live our lives that, 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 that a misguided or a misplaced understanding of why Jesus came and what his kingdom on earth uh, on, on earth as it is in heaven is about and we don't live our lives so much as God your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven but we live our lives in, in a way, and maybe I'm only speaking to myself, maybe I'm only looking in the mirror for me today, but I can live my lives in a way where it's, hey God, your kingdom on earth to help Bronson establish his kingdom on earth. Like God, your kingdom come to be added to my kingdom to make my kingdom better. And you know, we can, we can, we can say things like, God, make my marriage better. God, your kingdom on earth so that I can get that promotion. We can say, God, like, God, come and, come and keep my children safe. We, we can say things like, hey, God, uh, help me make that sale. You know, I've got to sell this thing. We, we can say things like, God, make me happy. And hear me right. I'm not saying we can't do those things. And I'm not saying we can't come before God and pray and ask for God to move in our situation, in our circumstances. We believe in coming before God. We believe in making our requests and supplications and interceding for Jesus and doing those things. We believe that uh, wholeheartedly. But what I am saying is this, if you've reduced the kingdom of God down to just an add-on to your life, if you've reduced God's kingdom on earth as just something to make your life better, your marriage, your, your health, if you've reduced it to that, then, then you've missed what Jesus came for. And we have a mentality similar to the Jews. Sure, they, they submitted. Sure, they worshipped. They did all those things, but they didn't quite get it. See, Jesus didn't come to make your life better. He came to save you, to bring His kingdom to earth. 
Maybe I need to say it again. Jesus didn't come to make your life better. He came to save you. Can I just say this morning, the saving has made your life better. Like if He does nothing else, if He did nothing else, your salvation would bring His kingdom on earth. The way He did it was unlike any king had done before. And His kingdom would break all the molds and all the definitions and all the leadership principles. And instead of coming to the palace, instead of riding that donkey to the palace, uh, hello, it's uh, Jesus. I've come to take over my kingdom. Instead of riding to the palace, scriptures say he rides to a place called Golgotha. He rides to a place called Calvary. He rides to a place called the Skull. And we're not going to go into detail today, but we'll talk about it on Good Friday. But Jesus dies on the cross. And three days later, he rises again. And it is in those three days that Jesus establishes his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And it's a kingdom that's still in place. And it's a kingdom that will, that will reign forever and ever and ever. You know, he shall reign. Well, now I'm doing a Christmas song. But anyway, it's a kingdom that's never going to stop. It's going to be reigning forever and ever. It will never end. And in our lives, the way that God's kingdom is established within us is through a death and a resurrection. The way that we establish God's kingdom in our life is through dying to self and being resurrected into new life in Jesus Christ. Romans 6 verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in death like His, we will certainly also be united with Him in a resurrection like His. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, Scriptures say that when we invite Jesus into our lives, we, 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 we go through a death experience. And I'm not talking physical, but spiritually, there's a part that dies, the old self. And then there's a new part that rises again in Galatians 2.20. says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ that lives in me. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. See, we enter the kingdom of God not through paying taxes, not through laying our coats down. We enter the kingdom of God not by being subject to a, to a ruler. We enter the kingdom of God by saying, Jesus, I die that you may live. Death to self that the kingdom of God might live in me. And we do that and, 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 and it's a death to self. Our old nature, the sin man, and in exchange, we receive a new nature, a new creation. All things have passed away. New things have come, a new creation inside of us. And we're now part of a new kingdom. And we're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer dead in our sin. We're no longer held captive by our sin. And we're no longer slaves to the tyranny of the kingdom of violence and hate and greed and all those things, the kingdom of, of darkness, the kingdom of Satan. We are now free men and women. We are free men, free women brought into the kingdom of light, brought into God's kingdom, sons and daughters of the Most High God and into His glorious kingdom. Today as I finish, maybe today you're in a place and you need to come to submission before Jesus. 
Maybe as I've been sharing, you're in a place where you need to say, God, I need to lay down this part to you. I need to give it to you. And in doing that, I honor you and I submit to you. Maybe, maybe today you need to be saved in this place. Maybe there's never been a moment in your life where you've said, Jesus, Hosanna, save me. I need you to be my Savior. Perhaps you need to die to self again today. Perhaps you know Jesus. You're on the journey of walking with Christ. But perhaps there's a little part of the self, the flesh nature that's coming back. And you need to die to self again and to start living anew, that new creation life that God, that Jesus has called you for, called you to. And I don't know what it is. And I don't know what, where you are or what situation. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I do know this. The Holy Spirit speaks to each and every one of us. I do know that He speaks to us and He challenges us. And what I want to do is we'd all just close our eyes right now. If you just close your eyes, please. What I want to do right now is I would ask you just right now to say, Holy Spirit, what is something from this message that you're trying to speak to me?